In the holy name of Jesus, amen. There are two ways that you can basically live your life. You can live your life for yourself, or you can live your life for others, for your neighbor, for everybody else that is around you. One of two ways. It's that simple in terms of life. But so many of us are focused completely in on ourselves, and so many of us have become deeply divided from our neighbors that it is sort of a wake-up call for us to realize what's going on all around us. I get many of you who pull me aside or stop into the office, maybe text me or call me, and you talk about society today. You talk about how things have kind of taken a decline with the morality, the fact that sin, various sins that the Bible speaks about are now widely and pridely accepted amongst people today. You worry about the future. You worry about the stresses of life. You have anger over your neighbors or over society, and you're just downright frustrated. The Bible speaks about these things and about interacting with those who are caught up in all of these things. Do not keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I have not sat with idolatrous moral, mortals, nor will I go in with the hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. So you might say, I guess I need to be divided from my neighbors even more. I need to set up some judgment of things. It's true, we shouldn't be yoked together with people who say that good is evil and evil is good. But in many ways, we have taken all of our self-centeredness, and even apart from Scripture, we have simply divided ourselves from each other. I live my life for myself. I try to do my best. I'm only concerned about myself. It's a dog-eat-dog world, Pastor, and I don't have time to worry about those who are around me. In the midst of some of that pastoral care, if you call me or text me or stop in, there sure will be prayer. There'll be some talk of scripture. But there might also be some practical advice as well. The practical advice is not doctrine, and what I tell you here in just a few moments about the practical advice is not going to save you. It's not going to make you a better, more perfect, pious Christian. But I will tell you, it will help you with your mental health, with resisting the temptations of the devil, and with living a life that's not so centered on yourself, but maybe, just maybe, opening your eyes to the realities of those around you. Practical advice number one. Stop watching the news. <laughs> you laugh, 
but I cannot tell you how many of you are so concerned about what you hear and you see. This is not Walter Cronkite today. It's not making you an informed voter. It hinders your ability to tell you what is important or trivial. News is really gossip. News is really dividing. It's pumping you full of the false morality of this age. Now, it's not a sin to watch your favorite network, but does it help? I would say no. Practical advice number two, get off social media. Stop the video games. Whatever else it is technology-wise, I'm not saying go burn it. I'm not saying anything else like that, but keep a log of how much time you spend on technology. I look at this and I'm speaking to myself first. I was looking at my phone before Bible class. I've looked at it right before coming in here. I'm sure maybe some of you are sneaking it under the hymnal, checking <laughs> something going on. This technology, though, is toxic, whether you realize it or not. I'm reading a book right now called Dopamine Nation. And this psychiatrist, who's from Stanford, talks about how technology and all of the things that we encounter in this life, from gambling to drugs, alcohol, to technology, to even buying things and waiting for them to come, are as addictive as a hardcore drug. These things, she says, releases an immense amount of dopamine and it is as potent as something you would get off the street from a drug dealer. Technology is tearing our humanity apart. It's tearing us apart from each other. How many of us are simply looking at each other and saying, yeah, this is how I communicate, but we don't sit down maybe across from a table from each other and look each other in the eye. I love what one church up in Michigan is doing right now. They have a giant box in the back of the church so people don't get worried. And the box simply says, participate in the digital Sabbath. Drop your phone in the box. Leave it outside of the church and the pew. And I know, oh, somebody might take it. Somebody might do something. I don't feel like I'm fully clothed unless my phone is in my pocket. But go back to what this is all doing for us. Go back to the fact that we are here today. We are here today without a screen. This is one of the few places you'll find that does not have a screen. I cannot tell you how many Christians in Charlotte would come into my church from non-denominational churches, and they would come in because of the liturgy, the word, and the sacraments. But these younger families would also say, this is so refreshing because this is the first place I go to during the week, and I'm not looking at some sort of screen. These things need to be replaced with more human and healthier ways to exist. Call up somebody, have coffee, go out to lunch with somebody, look them in the face. 
drop your device off to the side, and realize that we are all about face-to-face -face interactions. Practical advice number three, configure your leisure time to be healthy. Going back to number two, face-to-face, -face, not face-to-screens. Our screens are all around us, and yet there are so many other good gifts to be used in our midst apart from them. Read a book, go for a walk, bake a cake, resurrect old hobbies, play the drums, <laughs> ride your bike, work on the house, listen to some scripture. Why? Why, Pastor? Why all this practical advice? Because you and I, in the midst of all of these things, are living all for ourselves, and we're ignoring everybody else around us. And whether or not you realize that, that is dangerous. It's dangerous for our neighbor, it's dangerous for you, and it is not what God has called you to do as Christians. Look at the alternatives. You heard it today in the gospel reading. The Pharisees are with Jesus. They're at a high Pharisee's house to eat. This is like the head elder of the church. And they're looking at Jesus with every little intent. But they're not looking to try to serve him. They're looking for how he's going to mess up, how they can judge him how they can, in a sense, lead to some way to crucify him and show him he's wrong. Sound familiar? And yet Jesus brings this man in with dropsy. Dropsy is a major inflammation of the tissue in your body. Jesus brings this man in and he says... Is it lawful or not to heal this man on the Sabbath? Is it lawful or not to live for yourself or to live and serve one another? And they're silent. And Jesus has compassion on the man. He heals the man and he sends him on his way. And then he ramps it up even more. Which one of you who has a son or an ox who falls into a well would go get the tow truck and bring them out on the Sabbath? And there's even more silence. The silence is stunning. But this isn't a silence that converts them to the realities and truth, the errors of their ways. It leads to more outrage because these Pharisees were all living for themselves. This is completely familiar to us. How many of you have felt the outrage, the murderous thoughts in your car as the person in front of you lets somebody in front of them waiting to turn on the street? How many of you are outwardly jealous, maybe internally angry because your neighbor has been blessed with something you don't have? How many of us looking at that new car or whatever, I hope it catches on fire, <laughs> or I feel cheated by God? How many of you have written an email or received an email and automatically thought, this person is outraged and angry with me. 
You post something online, and it's immediately taken out of context. You get so angry, you write something back. You don't agree with me, fine. I'm going to throw it back, and yet I'm not going to use the phone and call you or try to meet face to face. You either live for yourself or you live for others. And I think it's all about the first. Stop it. Stop it all and repent. Confess your sins of selfish desires of living for yourself alone. Realize who is around you. Fellow humanity created in God's image. Every last person that you interact with who has breath and human flesh and blood has had Jesus die for them, whether they realize it, believe it, or not. And for you who receive this in your baptism, for you who have come here today, you're reminded over and over that Jesus loves you. He calls you today not to heal you of dropsy, but to heal you of your sins, your destructive behavior, and ultimately death. He is the one who lives for you. He lives for the life of the world. He calls this man with dropsy today. The Lord, the Lord doesn't sit there and say, what must I do for you? This man doesn't even come with a request. Jesus seeks out this man and he heals him. And that's exactly what he has done for you. He has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He has compassion, calling this man out of the crowd and he heals him. And he has called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light of his life, death, and resurrection. You have been called out of this world not to say, hey, look at me and how Christian and pious I am and how everybody else is so wrong. You have been called out of yourself, your sinful nature, to live with Christ. And this calling is in your baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. What does this mean? You are not yourself. You belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to you. What does this mean? He loves you. He cares for you. He forgives you. And he now gives you the power by his spirit to live for others. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors as yourself. But pastor, it's so extremely hard. Right. You can't do this without Jesus. You can't do this without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Christ lives. And he strengthens you day by day. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Be patient with one another. Do not be outraged. Do not be self-righteous, but bear with one another in love. And we love because he first loved us. Cover one another's weaknesses. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Those practical strategies are not going to purify your heart, but they're basic information that shows us where we are. The practical advice won't save you. 
The devil will continue to tempt you with living for yourself today and telling your neighbor they can go to hell. But why make this easy for him? Always being angry, thinking that you're surrounded by fools, judging by earthly interests and everything else is petty, bending to technology, ignoring your family and your friends is not walking in the calling by which you have been given. It's not enjoying the Sabbath that you have received here today. This here today is a gift. This is not me saying here today, here are three steps to successful, pious living. Sure, we can take these things to heart. There's plenty more we could take to heart. But the Sabbath here today is all about Jesus living for you. The divine service is all about him calling us to repentance so that we may be forgiven and given his life, death, resurrection for our own salvation. You and I have received the most incredible gift of generosity and forgiveness the world has ever known. Jesus is the one in the parable today doing the work. This parable is not about self-help. It's about what Jesus has done for you. He comes in lowliness and gentleness. He has the right to be angry with us and the way that we treat him and our neighbors. He has the right to be angry with the Pharisees, but he isn't. He lives for you. He has had compassion on you as well. He is patient, and out of that parable today, he is the one who becomes the last, the despised one, the one who humbles himself, the one who takes the lowest seat on the cross to save you from all of your selfishness and my selfishness to save you from the death we deserve because of our sin. He is the one who humbles himself to bear us up in his love and joins us by his spirit through the water and blood that flowed out from his pierced side as he has claimed you as your own, as his own in your baptism. He has called us through his humility and lowliness out of the darkness of our self-righteousness, away from any kind of cancel culture and your participation in it, away from the division, away from the anger, away from yourself. And he forgives and restores and brings about his life in you. Because he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love no matter how far you have strayed. You either live for yourself or for one another. Today is simply about examining yourself and all of the craziness, temptations, and everything else we can get absorbed and immersed in. But today is not about self-help, trying to make things better on your own. Today it all starts with repentance. 
asking for forgiveness, going back to the font each and every day and drowning your old sinful nature to rise anew in Christ who now lives in you. And because he lives and loves in and through you, you can now be active in this faith. You can struggle, you can wrestle with your own gods and even with your own self. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. I don't do what I know I'm supposed to do. I do what I'm not supposed to do. Who will deliver me from this body of death, wretched man that I am? Thanks be to God he gives us through the victory of, uh, through Jesus Christ. Repent. As Luther says, confess your sins and be done with them already. Ask through the Holy Spirit for Jesus' forgiveness, life, and restoration. And take steps to guard yourself, but also your neighbor, your family, your friends, those who you do not know. It's hard, but that's why you come to the Sabbath. That's why you come to the Holy Communion today. In this divinely instituted gathering, you're gathered with fellow sinful, self-centered human beings, including one standing up here with all the lights on. All have sinned and fallen short of this glory of God, but at this table, which is not just simply the Sabbath, it's the marriage feast of victory. At this meal, Jesus sets the marriage feast of himself before you. The resurrection of Christ has been seated before you, and it's not him just sitting there on his own he is now exalted because he was humble for us but as he is exalted as he sits at the table he continues to live for you and he says to you today friend not enemy not divisive one friend forgiven and loved come up higher he gives all of himself to forgive and to strengthen you. You receive this directly from God as he feeds you with himself so that you may be strengthened in your faith toward him and your fervent love toward one another. He gives each other to you. Be comforted by the body of Christ here. Be comforted by your brothers and sisters here today, especially when you yourself have been caught up with everything in the world, but also bear with one another in their burdens, be patient and understanding, and most of all, pray in the midst of how difficult this is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, which he has given, and uphold me with a right spirit. And Pastor Schaff might put on the end there, uphold me with a right spirit to live for my neighbor.
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>